Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 264 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. And I'm joined by, she's back again, two and a half years absent, but she's been back now, two weeks in a row. Um, welcome back to the show, Mariam. You did excellent last week. We had some good feedback, as you know. And um, yes, yeah, great to have you back once again this week. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. No problem whatsoever. Anyway, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. Uh, we're going to do the news. After that, we'll bring in the sole guest. Then we will sign out the show with the preview part. So anyway, let's jump straight into the review part. Like I say, we're going to start here last Friday, October 30th, Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. Um, on the undercard, I should mention... Uh, Marlon Esparza, again, that's the that's the lady that used to be engaged, I believe, to Nicola Adams. She got in there. She was a big underdog, seven and one going in against the undefeated Mexican Sulem Urbina. Um, Sulem Urbina, like I say, was a big favourite, but she lost unanimously over eight rounds, very wide in the end. A shutout on two cards, so that was a big upset there. Uh, credit there to Marlon Esparza. Um, also on that bill, we got to see, I'm just going to move straight to the main event, really. Um, Jaime Mungia, another fight for him at middleweight. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title. Turiano Johnson in the other corner, 21-2 and with a draw going in. Obviously, Mungia, 35-0, and still so young. Um... You know, the fight got stopped in, in round six because the cut was so severe. But it was a great fight. Like I said on last week's show, it could be fun while it lasts. And that pretty much summed it up, to be honest with you. Um, a fun fight. Mungia, you know, has that style. He, you know, his defense is his face. He's he's not a guy that you feel is going to have an, a really long career. But saying that, like I said, he's a young guy, but he's 36-0 and 0 now. Um, you know, he's, he's got a great, great record. And... He may only end up boxing for another three years. Who knows? But who knows what his record can get to in that time. You know, he likes to fight and he is all action. Moving out now to the WOW Arena in Russia. Um, only one fight to mention over here, by the way. Murat Gassiev. He returned to the ring over two years out of it. Um, a little bit like Mariam, actually, off the podcast. This guy was uh, off the grid in terms of the boxing ring. 27-1 and now, though, Gassiev. He came back with a first-round KO against Nuri Seferi, who's now 41-10. and um, He knocked Seferi out in one round. Uh, you know, I don't know. You can't really read too much into that. I'm guessing Gassiev's next fight now is going to probably be another kind of mediocre opponent because he hasn't done the rounds. It took him one round to dispatch of this guy. So... It hasn't told us much. Is he is he good at heavyweight? Is he not? Was he rusty? I don't know. It all just came together in the first round. Didn't watch it at all. Um, but Gassiev has stopped Seferi. Seferi hadn't been knocked out for 19 years. You had to go back to 2001, early on in his career when he got stopped. Uh, the, the only time he got stopped. So I expected it might even go the distance. But what do I know? Anyway, Gassiev, quick win. And I'm sure he will probably be back out, I guess, probably in the next two or three months, I'd say. And it's going to be against another another C or D level fighter, to be honest. I know initially they were supposed to take on Kevin Kingpin Johnson. I would have much preferred that than uh, the, the Nuri Seferi. Anyway, moving out to the Wembley Arena now. Going to start on the undercard here, obviously. The matchroom card. Um, 
Savannah Marshall moved to 9-0. and She was able to TKO in seven rounds the ever-tough Scottish Hannah Rankin, who's now 9-5. and It was for the vacant WBO World female middleweight title. Rankin was down once in the seventh round prior to that stoppage. Uh, Savannah Marshall boxed really well, you know. And it's a statement because Hannah Rankin in the pros, very, very tough lady. You know, been the distance in all her losses, had never been stopped. Savannah Marshall stopped her there. It's a statement. It does send out a big message to that you know to all female fighters really from I guess super welter right up to super middle um, and especially one name of course Clarissa Shields um, you know it's a big statement because Clarissa couldn't do that to Hannah Rankin she went the distance and like I say Savannah looked really 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 good um, completely battered Rankin really and there's an argument that the fight could have even been stopped sooner than the seventh round. But, um, yeah, great win. Savannah Marshall, we all knew, was nailed on to become a world champion. And she's done it here in in a ninth pro fight. It hasn't been so easy for uh, Savannah Marshall as well. I remember when she turned pro, she signed with Mayweather Promotion. She was on the undercard of... Um, of of Mayweather McGregor, I think she made her debut that night, and then she came back to the UK, and um, after a couple of trainer changes, I think she's ended up with Peter Fury, obviously, and the rest is history, but now she's a world champion, I'm pleased for Peter as well, you know, he he obviously took his his nephew Tyson Fury to the world titles, and then shortly afterwards, uh, the relationship, you know, between those guys broke, and that was it, he never never got to, you know... uh, he never got to be a world champion trainer for 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 a long enough time really it was it was a short brief time and he's back now now it's been however many years he's back with a world champion albeit um a, a female world champion not knocking that at all though she's a great fighter savannah marshall i think she could actually beat up quite a few of the men but anyway we hopefully will get to see the the uh you know, the grudge match between Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields. Obviously, Savannah Marshall, the only lady to have ever beaten Clarissa in the pros and amateurs combined. She's only lost one fight, and it was to Savannah Marshall. Um, good fight, though. I hope it happens. Uh, not quite sure what's happening with Clarissa Shields. I don't know if she's um, gone off me, actually, because I haven't heard from her for a long, long time. She's she's ignored a few of my text messages, actually, which is quite... Um, I've took it to heart because you won't notice, Marion, but during the time out that, that, that you had, uh, Clarissa came on the show a bunch of times and we actually sang together. We sang. We did a duet together. No word of a lie. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah, we sang. We, we sang. So we were pretty cool, but then she stopped answering the phone. But anyways, it is what it is. Also on the card, Amy Timlin, um, 4-0. She took on Carly Skelly, who was 3-0. It was for the vacant Commonwealth uh, female super bantamweight title. That belt remains vacant because it ended in a split draw over 10 rounds. They're looking to do that rematch ASAP. Um, also, Ramla Ali, she made her debut here. A points win for her over six two-minute rounds against Eva Hubmeyer, who was undefeated herself, 1-0. Um, she came over here as well, I believe, with no corner or anything. I think she just came over on her on her own with no team. Dave Allen ended up kind of uh, being her kind of uh, chief second, I think it was in the end. Um, he kind of took her under his his wing when um, when his fight collapsed at the last minute, thanks to Donald King. It's been a crazy week, anyway. Uh, that's the three female fights out of the way on this six-fight pay-per-view card. Let's move up now to the Tommy McCarthy fight. He was able to beat, um, by a majority decision, Bilal Lagoon. Tommy McCarthy now 17-2, and Lagoon 25-2 and with two draws. Good win, really, for McCarthy. It was for the vacant EBU European Cruiserweight title. Straight after the fight, Tommy McCarthy starts calling out Bradis. Hold your horses on that one. Um, that's, yeah, that's, you know, it's great that he's become a European champion, actually. I think, um, you know, judging by his pro career, you know, he's got a couple of losses. I think he's done well to become a European champion. But calling out Bradis, I don't I don't really see the point in that. I think there's big fights that can be made. Um, I know he's Irish, but there's big fights that can get made in Britain. You know, we've got a good amount of cruiserweights. I'd like to see him in there with, you know, a whole heap of guys. I'd like to see him in with Luke the Duke Watkins. I'd like to see him in with, uh, I guess, 
Chris Billum Smith, Lawrence Sokoli seems to have kind of gone up in levels. His world title fight has been announced for the Joshua undercard. Um, Dion Juma, if I didn't already say him, he's another guy. Um, yeah, there's loads of guys that he can fight at cruiserweight. So I'd like to see him kind of have those fights. They're good undercard fights, but stay away from Bray. This is my advice. Um, also on the bill, Lee Selby. It was um, his 31st fight. He lost though. He's now 28 and three. A split decision loss over 12 rounds to George Cambosos Jr. George Cambosos Jr. now 19 and 0. An absolute shock for me. And some people will be shocked that I've said that. Because it was bizarre, in my opinion. I firstly was watching on the DAZN feed. I didn't pay for it in the end. I was team stream. And I was watching it on DAZN. And the commentators were, uh, I think it was Nick Hallin and Andy Lee. And I pretty much saw it the way that Andy Lee saw it. He was scoring the fight. You know, I, I know enough about boxing to, to, to you know, see what I see. And I don't let the... Co- I really try to not let the commentators, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Mariam? I've got, I've got a feeling you're going to know the Influence. Uh, you know. See you? Influence. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know better than to let a commentator influence me, but... I couldn't believe it. I really thought that Lee Selby deserved a win, and wide, to be honest. I've got nothing against Cambosos Jr. Good guy, been on the show before. Lee Selby, obviously, has been on a number of times. Uh, I'm just going to run through the way I saw the fight. The first round, I felt Lee seemed to, to have the much quicker feet. He was able to get the cleaner shots off because of that. He found the better angles. The jab was the key for him there. Um, he used it really well. Cambosos didn't overcommit at all. Uh, but yeah, he was outlanded by by Selby's jab mainly. Uh, so a Selby round, round two, really good tactical round to watch. To be honest, both men were were uh, were sharing the center of the ring, but that didn't really mean they were going blow for blow. It was very tactical, like I say. Both men were 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 kind of in counter punching mode. Selby for me managed to do the cleaner of the work and was probably just slightly more active. Um, I was enjoying the fight at that point, you know, two rounds in. Um, wasn't a bad round for Cambosos, but I gave it to Selby again. Round three, another great round to watch. I like Selby's come-forward type of approach in the third round because it, it was exciting, but I actually gave that round to Cambosos. He was, for me, the more patient of the two. He picked his shots better. He showed us a glimpse of his power and his speed in that round. Two attributes that perhaps he had in you know in his favor over Selby, really. Um, round four, a very close round that I think... Selby just about shaded. He, he threw a lot of shots in that round. A lot missed, but he did get through with some decent jabs. Cambosos didn't do too much, really, until about the last 30 seconds of the round in which he got through with some meaty shots. But I don't think it was enough to steal him the round, to be honest. Round 5, um, Selby was throwing a lot of feints and, you know, he was changing up his stance time and time again, trying to lure Cambosos into a trap. But it wasn't really working. He was falling short with a lot of his shots to Selby. I thought Cambosos was on his way to just kind of scraping the round but then Selby landed some nice shots in the dying seconds that I think just snatched it but another close round that's why I think it was very subjective Um, a lot of people on Twitter had Cambosos winning almost every round whereas I had it the complete swing around you know which is is mad really um Round six, Selby looked in real control for me. He was dancing around his man, making him miss. He was popping out the jab. It was an easy round, to be honest, for me. And I had Selby 5-1 up after six. Um, Some people had it 3-3 that I saw on Twitter. Um, I know that Selby went back to his corner. I'm not quite sure what the commentator said, because he heard the commentator say something. And and Selby said, I'm going to try and do his Welsh accent. He said, he said... um, he said, oh, God, really on the spot now. Why do I do this to myself? He's going back to his corner. He hears something that the, the, the ringside commentator said. And he, and he said, what fight are you watching? Oh, that's terrible. Terrible accent. But anyways, that's what he said. He said, what fight are you watching? Because I guess the commentator, whichever commentator it was, he was he was talking to, must have said something about Cambosos doing really well. Um, second half of the... Uh, well, uh, 
second half of the fight, Cambosos, for me, won the seventh round. Uh, he really seemed to turn up the pressure. He managed to keep up with Lee. He landed some nice power shots. It was the first time in a while that Cambosos uh, started to throw combinations, you know. And like I said, there's no point having quick hands and only throwing single shots. And that that's what, for me, George Cambosos had been doing in previous rounds, I felt. Uh, the eighth round was actually... Um, a bit of a balls up by the timekeeper. It ended up being a two-minute round. I'm not quite sure who won that round, to be honest. It all went so quickly. Round nine, Selby won that round for me. Again, he was able to use his superior footwork to control the range and the tempo of the fight for me. Uh, round 10, good round, close round. I still think Selby edged it. Round 11, another close one, but again, I felt Selby's experience won in the round. And round 12, for me, a close round, but I gave it to Cambosos. Um... You know, one thing I didn't like from Lee Selby, he spun Cambosos around several times in the fight and punched him in the back of the head or, or, you know, in the top of his back. Dirty tactics. Cambosos didn't really complain about it at all. And I think that if he did, he probably could have had a point or two off of, of Selby. And in the end, he didn't need to, obviously. But I didn't really like that. And I've got to give some respect there to, to Cambosos because, you know, he could have complained. He didn't. I like the fact that he just dusted himself off and got on with it. Um, but again, since Selby's moved up to 135, I've been a little bit of a critic of his, you know. He obviously was killing himself to make 126, he was a world champion there, and then since moving up two weight classes, not just one but two, for me he hasn't really impressed. I mean, you know, he lost to Warrington, it was a good fight, obviously, then when he moved up he had that that bad performance but he won against Omar Douglas, then he fought Ricky Burns, it was too close for, for my liking there. And then now he loses, but I thought he won. So for me, it was the best Selby performance since being up at 135, but he didn't get the decision, like I say. Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually think Selby had it in him as well. I I sort of sneakily did pick Cambosos for the win. Um, but yeah, I, I was shocked. I really thought Selby did enough to win. And like I say, scoring was so subjective. Um, when they announced the winner in the ring, Andy Lee, on commentary, he could not believe it. He was absolutely lost for words. And that's how I felt. But when you go on Twitter to kind of feel normal again, I see everyone saying, yeah, deserved winner, stuff like that. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm crazy. Um, anyway, that's enough for the undercard. Getting on to the main event. I've been talking my head off here. I'm going to throw it straight over to you, Marion, before I share my take. Uh, Derek Chisora, 32-10 and 10 now. He lost a unanimous decision over 12 rounds to the undefeated Alexander Usyk, now 18-0. and 0. It was for the WBO Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Um, good fight. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to say. Good fight. I'll throw it over to you and I'll say my piece afterwards. What did you make of it? So, you probably remember I was really excited for it last week. Um, and full disclosure, I wasn't that disappointed. It was a good fight. It was an exciting fight. Um, we were glued to the screen for the entire thing. The only thing that disappointed me was Yusik's performance. Um, I don't think I'm the only person that expected a bit more from him. I know it's only his second fight at heavyweight, but I can't lie. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with the scores that were given. I mean, 115-113 that was given twice. I know some people on Twitter were saying, no, it wasn't that close. It should have been wider towards Usyk. But speaking as a big, big Usyk fan, I don't agree with that. Um, I think he did enough to get the win. He threw enough clean shots. He landed enough clean shots. But there was nothing in that fight that sort of made me think, wow, Usyk is ready to take on top 10. You can throw him in with anyone in the top 10 and he'll he'll be able to hold his own. Um, obviously, the one thing that he did really well during the fight is the one thing that he's done well through his entire career and especially um, at Cruiserweight, which is just move, stay active and keep the other fighter on their toes. And you can definitely see when that started to happen. So the first few rounds, Shizora came in, as he always does, you know, coming forward, plodding forward, trying to go for it with the heavy shots. And it was only around, I believe, the fifth, sixth, between the fifth and the seventh rounds that really Usyk um, began to tire him out. And then the seventh round, I believe, is when everyone thinks that um, the fight came to, to sort of fire. But, yeah, I have to be completely honest with you. I wasn't I wasn't hugely impressed by Usyk's performance. And I remember finishing that fight and saying to my friend, 
okay, well, who can he take on next? And in all honesty, I struggle to think of anyone in the top 10. And I'm just looking at the top 10 now. I struggle to think of anyone in there that he could score an easy win over. Um, and I definitely don't think that there's anyone in there that he could potentially knock out. Um, the one fight that I really want to see, though, coming out of that, you know, having watched that on Saturday, the one fight that I really, really want to see is Usyk versus Pulev. And I don't think anyone is under the impression that Pulev is going to win against AJ um, when they fight, which I believe is at the end of next month, right? December 12th, end of December. I think, isn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah, mid, mid-December mid then. Um, I don't think anyone thinks that Pulev is going to win. So when Pulev does eventually lose, I think that would be a really, really interesting fight. Obviously, Usyk is now, um, I believe, mandatory challenger for AJ's WBO belt. So to fight Pulev, who, I mean, I think we all know that he's going to lose to AJ. Maybe I shouldn't say that so early on, <laughs> but I do, I do believe he's going to lose to AJ. And I think that would be an interesting fight because then people could sort of benchmark um, benchmark Usyk's performance against Pulev and they'll be able to compare AJ's performance against Pulev. I know Styles make fights. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, but do I think that Usyk is ready to step in there sort of in the next six, maybe even six to 12 months with AJ off of the Chisora performance? No, I don't think so. What do you think? Firstly, um, I- I'm going to keep this nice and short on, on you mentioned uh, Pulev and, and Joshua I, I mean mm-hmm. I definitely favour Joshua in that fight but I, I I can no way write Pulev off in that one honestly I think that's, um, that's I, I think he struggles with I, I'll be stunned if Joshua blows him away is what I'm saying I think that Joshua will, will will have a few hairy moments in there with Pulev because Pulev's so well scored. He was a good amateur. He's got a fantastic jab. I remember him rocking uh, Vladimir in in their fight, which he obviously yeah. went on to lose. He's only lost, by the way, and um, mm-hmm. he 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 wobbled Vlad with a jab in about the first five seconds. He yeah, he's a good fighter, man. I'm telling you, he's he's a good fighter. He's got a great he jab, is. good fundamentals. I think that honestly, he's he's I think he's about six four. I think he's going to cause a few problems, but I think he is up there in age. He's probably about, God, he's got to be about 40 or 39, I want to say. Yeah. So you've got uh, to favour. 39, yeah. yeah. You've got to favour Joshua. But anyway, um, that's for another day, I guess. Um, what, what was the other question? Sorry. Um, who you think Yusuf can step in there um, uh, in next with? Because in all honesty, looking at the top 10 rankings, I can't. I struggle to see one guy in there that Yusuf would have an easy fight against. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's difficult to say an easy fight against because I don't know. I feel, I feel like, you know, he, he got the Chaz Witherspoon f- uh, fight. That was supposed to be an easy one. It was a bit of a weird kind of fight, really. Um, mm. You know, he, he boxes Chisora, and I really thought Chisora was going to be quite, um, you know, quite kind of standing still, just getting, getting, you know, like target practice, really, for Usyk. But, you know, he, he turned up more motivated than he's been for several years, and it was a really, mm. really good performance from, from Chisora. But I think a great yardstick type of fight would be and I'm stealing this off I've heard other people say this and I agree 100% I can't think of a better guy for Usyk to fight in terms of a good fight and also still kind of semi warming into the heavyweight division than um, Joseph Parker I love that fight yes yeah yeah yeah. I agree I agree I was actually just looking at the rankings now he's number seven according to the ring rankings I actually agree with you there I should have mentioned that yeah, that's I think one. the Joseph Parker fight would be a really really good fight I think that, that could tell us a lot but yeah my thoughts on the fight in the end I had it 8-4 to Usyk that's how I had it and I'll go mm-hmm. through uh, the rounds obviously the first round Chisora seemed to just rough his way to winning the, the first round um, he looked in unbelievable shape as well especially mm-hmm. for Chisora mm-hmm. Um, good start, like I say. Round two, some people gave this one to Chisora, but I didn't. I gave it to Usyk. He he didn't put a dent in Chisora at all, but it was a little bit like you know, like a ball and a matador. Even though uh, Usyk seemed to be the matador, he, he was getting hit at times. Usyk 
you know was was being made to really work to get any success and you know it, it set up some real intrigue early on for the later rounds it was getting interesting it was an interesting start um Usyk looked very very uncomfortable round 3 Usyk seemed to get into his groove already it seemed Chisora's mouth was wide open at the end of the round i thought this is possibly the the beginning of the end um round 4 Again, Chisora came out. He made a great start to the round. I actually think he may have edged it, to be honest. It was it was nice pressure again from him. Um, but it was a bit like a cauldron in in that room, you know, because you had uh, David Hay and Tony Bellew shouting stuff out. It was, it was crazy. It was like, um, I didn't really agree <laughs> with that, to be honest. I thought it was a bit messed up. But whatever, you know, they, they tried to give their man <laughs> as big of a chance as possible. It was 2-2 two, two on my mm. card after four. Um, round five, Chisora was enjoying a spell in Southpaw, which for me was quite shocking. Um, he, he surprisingly had quite a bit of success as well in Southpaw. Uh, maybe he learned one, one, one or two tricks off of Tyson Fury in their rematch. But anyway, he, he went back to Orthodox, and uh, when he did, he seemed to get picked off a lot by Usyk. Usyk clearly won that round. Round six, um, Usyk... Uh, seemed to just have too much spring in his step at that point. He was using his legs. He was finding the angles to outland Chisora. Chisora started to, uh, you know, entirely rely on on a one a one punch, you know, one big punch finish. And he's never been that fighter throughout his career. Um, he was just following Usyk round the ring. Uh, Usyk started to become the sole aggressor, really, from that point onwards. Um, for the next few rounds anyway. In round 7, he rocked Chisora to his boots as well. He really had him hurt in the dying seconds of round 7. Round 8, Chisora started to really run out of answers. Usyk started to clip Chisora with big shots whenever he wanted to. The finish was starting to look imminent, really. Uh, Usyk was completely dominating at that point. Round 9, Usyk started to toy with Derek, I thought. It's like he kind of allowed Derek to get on the front foot while he kind of invited him in just to try and put... Chisora in a full sense of security, I felt, because like a switch, Usyk came back alive in you know in the last few seconds of the fight, and I thought he was going to try and come with a big onslaught, but he didn't actually land anything too significant. So for me, um, that was a that was a hard round to score round nine. Um, I, I gave it to Usyk though. Uh, round ten for me, I gave it to Chisora. It was just a better round for him. It had been a few rounds in a row where he he come off se- uh, second best. Round eleven, Chisora was really putting everything he had into the round. Uh, you know, you you, you got to give it to Chisora. Definitely exceeded my expectations. Very tough guy, which we knew, but he really did make Usyk have to work hard to the point where some people, uh, you know, wouldn't give. Usyk a chance against the the big guys like you said, Mariam, as well, you know, like a Joshua. Um, round 12, a Usyk round, he was hitting and making Chisora miss. Typical Usyk kind of round. So in the end, like I say, 8-4 um, to Usyk on my card. I gave Chisora round 1, 4, 10, and 11. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just think that even though, you know, it, it seemed to be a very difficult fight, He's kind of he went into that fight, Chisora, with that kind of I've got nothing to lose mentality. Whereas mm-hmm. we know Joshua wouldn't fight him in that same way. He's not gonna come after him and try and take one to land one and stuff like that. That's where you know, yeah. that's where I think if he fought AJ it would be very, very, very tactical and I still favour him over AJ. I've said it for a long time. I really, really do. I don't think the size comes into it too much. I think he's he he's too clever for AJ. I don't think, you know, AJ will 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 um, take the risks that someone like a Joshua took. You know, it's just a tough style matchup. Like a Chisora took. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah, that that um, that Chisora took. Good job, you're here. Good job, you're awake. Um, <laughs> That's a big claim, Joey. That's a big claim. Ah, man, I'm telling you. You man. think AJ will struggle with Usyk? Oh, all day. everyone struggles with Usyk. Everyone. Okay, okay. Stro- struggle is perhaps the the wrong word, but you think Usyk wins over AJ? I've always thought it. I've always thought it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I've always thought it. You know what? Prior to the Chisora fight, I probably would have looked at it too and said, Usyk's style is too much. Say that again. Uh, I said, prior to the Chisora fight, I probably would have also looked at it and said, Usyk's style is just too much for AJ. AJ, I mean, I know know it's sort of a very overused term that's um, 
that people used to describe AJ, but there are still parts of him that are very stiff and mechanical. He's basically like, you know, the quintessential Olympic boxer. And I think for that reason, he would probably struggle against someone like Yusik, who is quite... He's just he's just very good. He's very good on his feet. He knows how to fight on the outside. But after the Chisora fight, the one thing that I keep thinking about is size. And size does matter. Size really matters. And I think the Yusik fight... The Chisora and Usyk fight showed that. And that's the thing that when I'm looking at the top 10, I'm thinking, mm, maybe maybe style-wise it would match up well, right? You know, styles make fights. But the size factor, I think, comes into play here. Not necessarily the height, because if I remember correctly, Usyk is taller than Chisora, I think, by around two or so inches. But in terms of just build and size and being accustomed to that weight, I don't know how Usyk will fare up, to be honest. Let me ask you this interesting question. Um, we... You know, we don't always get to see that version of Chisora turn up. I, I was, mm-hmm. you know, really shocked. Even when he had like a really bad, bad round, he'd come out in the next round and he'd have a good round. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was so motivated right up until the very end. Like he gave it his all. And like I said, we don't see that from Chisora um, very often at all. If he fought that exact same style with the same hunger, the same determination, everything, if 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 you took Usyk out of the ring and placed Anthony Joshua in a ring on Saturday night, that's a tough, tough fight oh, for Joshua, man. That's a good fight. I don't care if it's a tough fight, but that's a good fight. Like, I would pay to watch that fight. That's what I mean. And and, and it, if you'd have said this two weeks ago, yeah, I want to see Chisora and Joshua, you'd get blocked by half of Twitter yeah. for saying something so stupid like <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. But it's just like that pressure that he put on, I don't think um, AJ copes well with pressure. And do you know what? Yeah. This is why this is why I'm intrigued to see how he looks against Pulev because he's one-on-one in his last two fights. Um, he mm-hmm. he didn't have a deep amateur career despite winning a, an Olympic gold medal, uh, medal. You know, some people think he was lucky mm-hmm. to get that, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't have a deep amateur career. When he turned pro, he hasn't really boxed people that had deep amateur careers either, aside from Vladimir, who, of course, had him down. It was his last fight. He was at the very end. He was coming mm-hmm. off all that inactivity. He came to the UK. You know, everything was in Joshua's favor. Um, and, obviously, the other guy that he that he beat with, um, who, who had, you know, a, a strong amateur background was, was Povetkin. Povetkin had a, mm-hmm. had a few moments in there. But, again, a great win. Absolutely great wins. Not hating at all. And then he boxed Ruiz, who's got a real big background in the amateurs as well. And obviously, he um, he he you know he lost to Ruiz, and Ruiz was so bad in the second fight. I mean, geez. So he's had kind of he's boxed three guys with deep amateur backgrounds, and all three of these fights, he's been down against Vlad. He's been rocked to his boots against uh, Povetkin, and he's he's lost to Ruiz. Now Pulev's got a real deep amateur background. The problem is, like those guys, he is long in the tooth. He is at the end of his career. But I just think, man, again, Sayusik, who is definitely not at the end, that's a that's a hard, hard, hard fight. That's the way I see it. And um, I, I yeah, I think it's a, it's a hard fight. It's a tactical fight. That fight the other night wasn't tactical from Derek. Uh, Joshua's going to try to box him. He's not going to try and blow him out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think mm-hmm. he could end up in a bit of trouble to be honest and yeah that that you know it's a guy that i feel can outbox joshua um, i agree yeah. um i agree i don't think if if i had to make a decision now i would still pick aj to win um even though anyone that knows me knows i'm not the biggest um sort of aj fan but i would still pick aj to win but another discussion that i've seen taking place on twitter is actually how Usyk would fare against tyson fury which i think actually is a more interesting fight because of the Southport aspect, because of the fact that arguably their styles are to a degree similar and they're both sort of, they're very exciting. And I'm just, I'm trying to see in my head how that fight would would work out. Have you have you given it any thought at all? Yeah, I think that's the one guy that Usyk, I think he gives everyone trouble, but I think that's the one guy who he can't give as much trouble as anyone else in the heavyweight division. That's the way I see it. I think I think Tyson would win. Tyson's just so much taller, much longer mm. reach. You know, like geez, you know, Usyk's not a big heavyweight, but Tyson is is massive. So huge. The size Tyson's matters, like you said. Tyson's six six, right? Six, I think six nine. Six, six, six nine. Yeah, six nine. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Joshua, I've got like a lot of people in my head for sizes, so I could tell you that. 
I hope I'm getting all this right. We're going to have to check this as we go along. <laughs> uh, Chisora is 6-1. He might be 6-1 and a half. Yusik uh, yeah, 6-3. Right. Joe Joyce is 6-6, six, six, I want to say. Uh, Dubois is 6-6. Six, six. Joshua is 6-6. Six, six. Vladimir was 6-6. Six, six. Vitali was 6-7. Uh, David Hay was 6-3. Uh, Fury is 6-9. David Price is 6-8. Um... I can keep going. Throw me a, a random name out of anywhere. I'll try and tell you their height off the top of my head. Kura Ula, because I, I know he's not the tallest. I think he's 6'4". I thought he was more around like the 6'2". I could be um, but, but even even taking height into account, because Yusuf, I think, is around 6'3", 6'3 and a half. Who, who's 6'3 and a half? I think Yusuf. No, but how tall is Pulev? Oh, Pulev is... So he's 194 centimetres. Let me see what that's like in doesn't feet. doesn't just say it on his box rack, no? Um, it doesn't, actually. Let me have a check. Box rack isn't working for me for some reason, which yeah, is great. Is. I'm checking it now. He's 6'4 and a half. Okay. Okay, okay. So impressive cool. memory, Joey. Very impressive memory. Yeah, um, I try. Uh, but I don't know. I think style-wise, that that Usyk Fury fight would be good. Again, I would still pick Fury to win, hands down. I I think I'd pick Fury to win against anyone in the heavyweight yeah, division, yeah. including AJ. Yeah. Let me just make that clear from now. But I would be interested in seeing that fight if it were to ever happen, like a year or so down the line, if Fury's still fighting. Yeah. Well, we shall see. But anyway, let's move out now stateside to the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um, friend of the show. Jared Anderson, he moved to 7-0. and The big heavyweight managed to score another first-round TKO, this time against Luis Pena, who's now 6-2. and um, I didn't even see the fight. By the time I turned it on, the, the, uh, the fight was was finished. Um, yeah, Jared Anderson, nice guy, young heavyweight, been sparring with Tyson Fury in the States, undefeated, very promising future. Uh, also on that bill, we got to see Eva Brodnicka, uh, she came in overweight, so she actually sacrificed uh, her um, WBO female super featherweight title uh, on the scouts. So uh, the, the the belt was vacant at the time of the fight. Michaela Mayer in the other corner, though, managed to pick up the win. She's now 14-0, and oh, a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds for her. Very quickly after the fight, she called out Terry Harper. That's a fight I'd love to see. And the main event... Naoya Inoue, the monster, now 20-0, and 0, a TKO for him in seven rounds against Jason Maloney, who's now 21-2. and 2. That one was for Inoue's two uh, world titles, the WBA and the IBF. Um, very impressive performance, actually, there. Um, you know, Maloney, Maloney's a good fighter, man. He, uh, I hope he doesn't kind of get brushed under the rug. He's with top rank. I think, hopefully, they, they can do something for him. Um, but yeah, he was able to hang with, with Inoue, you know, throughout the early rounds and stuff like that. I don't think he won any of the rounds, but he was competitive in every round. Uh, you know, then when it got to the kind of midway point, Inoue was starting to um, pull away. He was starting to find the target more and more. He was more and more accurate. Uh, Maloney showed a great chin. Inoue's long left hooks seemed to really work well for him. And Maloney was caught by a left hook in, in uh, round six, early on in that round. Uh, then my stream cut out and it loaded back up in round seven when the fight was over. Um, I did see the, the replay. It was a straight right hand that dropped Maloney. Uh, he was caught coming in really kind of walked right into it, which was a shame and, uh, he couldn't get back up, back up in time. Inoue, as we know, is the real deal and, um, he's blowing away his competitors obviously, but that's, that's a great win to stop Maloney who only had one loss prior to Emmanuel Rodriguez. And he has blasted both of them out now, Inoue. So, seriously, uh, such a top pound-for-pound fighter he is. Um, moving out now to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. This one, uh, going to start with the undercard. We had Regis Progre, friend of the show. He moved to uh, 25 wins. He's got that one loss on points to Josh Taylor. A third-round TKO for him against the previously undefeated Juan Heraldez, who's now 16-1 and with a draw. Credit to Progre. He, um, you know, he got in there. 
he boxed the undefeated Mayweather promotions fighter. He blew him out of there as quick as he could because he found out before the fight that his wife had gone into labor. So he knocked the guy out as quick as he could, jumped straight in the shower, jumped straight in the car, and flew to the hospital as quick as he could, uh, which I think was about two hours away. And he ended up being there for the for the pivotal moment. And, uh, and um, in fact, it wasn't at a hospital. I've got that wrong. It was at his house. I know they had a birthing pool. He's actually uploaded a full video of the whole thing. So that's interesting to say the least. I'm, I'm, pl- I'm pleased for Progra. I think he's now a father of three. Great, great guy. Also on the bill, Diego Magdaleno, now 32-4. and four. He was TKO'd in one round by Isaac Gonzalez, who's now 20-1 and one with a draw. Um... Might be one to watch out for, really, there. That was, that was a really big statement to knock out Magdalena in just a round. Uh, also on the bill, he's going to be coming on the show at some point uh, after this part, after the, the review part. Mario Barrios, he's now 26-0, and 0, a, a defense there of his WBA super lightweight world title against Ryan Carl, who was 18-2 and 2 going in. The TKO came for Mario Barrios in round six. Um... Yeah, Mario Barrios, his, his judge of distance was incredible. To think that he'd been out of the ring for over a year, uh, he's such a fun fighter to watch. He can box, he knows when he when he needs to fight, he can do that to a T as well. Very good fighter. Um, I feel like he doesn't really get the recognition he deserves. I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's one of my favorite young fighters by a country mile. His head movement, I feel, has really improved. You know, he's growing into a very good fighter. He's, he's a good person too. Uh, round six, like I say, down when Carl, it was an overhand right that that, that um, dropped Carl to his knees, kind of thing. And then there was like um, a big cut on on Ryan Carl's forehead. I'm not sure if it was from a head clash or whatever. Um, I'll ask I'll ask Mario when he comes on. And um, yeah, it's almost as if Mario Barrios saw red because the referee stopped it um, just for a, for a short time, just for the doctor to inspect the cut. The fight was was was. Um, you know, was was continued, and then yeah, Barrios just went for it, man. He just he he just threw the kitchen sink, but but cleverly, he didn't get caught, you know, at all while he was unloading, and um, he got he got um Carl out of there after he was was floored again. But yeah, Barrios definitely was on another level, uh, another level to his opponent, and there's big fights for him out there. There really are. I uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having him on again. But the main event, I know that you watched it as well. Mariam, did you stay up and watch it, or did you watch it the following day? <laughs> I stayed up. Oh, I was up. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, well. <laughs> anyway, a, a KO in six rounds for Javante Davis. He's now twenty-four and zero. Leo Santa Cruz now thirty-seven and two with a draw. It was for the WBA lightweight and WBA super featherweight world titles. Uh, go figure on that. Very confusing. But first round, fast start to the fight. Um, Javante seemed sharp on his counter punching straight away. Leo also looked sharp. Leo really upped the pressure on Javante in the second half of the round. For me, I gave him that round. Uh, round two, very exciting round. Javante had that equalizer. He has that equalizer in both hands. So you've always got to watch out for that. Don't blink. Uh, Leo was having a lot of success backing Javante up. It was a great clash of styles. I had it um, two rounds to zero in favor of Santa Cruz. Round three, um, a closer round in which Javante looked like he was really getting closer to you know to to the button, really, if you like, closer to the button. His shots were were getting closer and closer to Santa Cruz's chin. Uh, but Leo really had a lot of success. Like I said, he was pushing Javante back, and Leo's jab was a great weapon f- f- for that round. Uh, for me, I felt he was outworking Javante again. I gave him that round three to zero for Leo Santa Cruz. I don't know how anyone else was seeing it at that point. Uh, round four, Javante was able to consistently beat Leo to the punch. Javante landed some lovely hurt looking body shots it was bad signs for leo santa cruz um he wasn't really afraid to stand in the pocket and trade with javante uh sometimes he was getting the better of it as well actually but in in that round there i felt like he he came off second best every time they did exchange so a round there for javante uh round five i gave it again to javante uh leo seemed not as willing to commit as before davis used his jab well again javante worked the body excellently so yeah like i say javante round so i had it three two to santa cruz going into the sixth and final round 
Uh, it was a great round as well. It was so exciting. Javante was starting to get through with big shots, but when it seemed like he had Leo hurt, Leo came back and seemed to rock Javante momentarily, and then some seconds later, Santa Cruz landed a straight right. Then he threw it again. Then he threw it again, and this time he, he missed, and Javante um, counted him with, with a perfectly timed left uppercut. Santa Cruz threw the same shot, like I say, three times in a row. At the same pace, it was just like a complete repeat every time. And um, the same exact shot, a straight kind of short right hand at uh, the same pace. Like I said, Javante knew it was coming. Santa Cruz was was knocked unconscious. It was a brutal finish from from uh, Javante. One of the most devastating knockouts of the year for sure. And like I said, it was a great fight while it lasted. Both men deserve all the credit in the world for taking the fight. Javante finally has a big name on his record. Uh, you know, a guy that he's kind of still, I guess, in his prime. Uh, and let's see, you know, let's see him fight some of the other big names in the division. You know, I want to see him take on, uh, well, if he's going to stay at lightweight. I'm not quite sure if he's going to be at lightweight or super feather, but I want to see him in there with the big kind of three names, I guess, that in my head are um, Tiafimo Lopez, Devin Haney, or Vasily Lomachenko. But um, mm-hmm. very impressive, though, how he kind of, like I say, um, Leo Santa Cruz threw his same shot three times. First one landed. The second one, uh, Javante blocked. And the third one, he countered. So, yeah, he's got a good boxing brain. He really does. Anyway, how did you see it, Miriam? Pretty similar to how you saw it. I'm not going to lie. I thought that, that Davis was doing a bit better during the first few rounds. And I think I probably would have edged them slightly more towards him. Um, but that uppercut, that knockout, it was one of, I think, I think it's the best knockout of the year. I think up until this point, arguably it was Povetkin, um white, but I think this was just insane. I mean, to see the way that Santa Cruz hit the mat, and which he's never done, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Santa Cruz has never been knocked out. No, he's never been knocked out. He's but, only lost to Frampton, hadn't he, before this? Yeah, he lost to Frampton. Um, that was just sort of insane to see. And I think to a degree it sends a message to other people in the division and you know those fighters that are between 130 and 135 but I do wonder what's going to happen next because I mean the Lomachenko fight would be great I know people have been asking for it for ages but there's the obvious angle that people keep saying that Mayweather simply won't let it happen but also there's the Bichelt fight that I think would be quite interesting um also, Tiafimo Lopez. I just wonder what's going to happen next. And I hope he doesn't just get thrown in there with, with sort of another journeyman or someone that he can just, you know, get rid of quite easily. I hope that he does continue to improve in, in terms of the fighters that he's facing. I don't know who, who do you think he'll fight next. So we know who we'd like him to fight, but who do you think he will fight next? Well, the problem is... Um, this is complete. I haven't even thought about this. This is completely off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I think that Tiafimo, I'm not sure if he's going to be staying at 135 for, for long. I think he's going to go mm-hmm. up. Um, I think that Vasily Lomachenko, obviously, after being relieved of his belt, so I can see him going back down to Super Feather, where he's definitely more, more suited to that weight. Uh, Devin well Haney, say again. Far more dominant is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I think even just weight-wise and, and just, you know, he's given mm-hmm. away too much size at, at lightweight. But he's he's better off at um, Super Feather, so he might go back down. Devin Haney is still at lightweight. Obviously, he's going to be boxing uh, Javante's former opponent uh, this weekend. So um, I'm not sure what he does next. I think it all depends really on if he's going to, you know, he's got he's got... He's got a world title at two different weight classes. I don't know if he's going to be sticking at lightweight or or, or super feather. Um, it should be super feather, by the way. But if he yeah. goes, I, I don't know. It's hard to kind of. I'd like to see him in with one of those three. So if he's going to be boxing at lightweight, I'd like to see him in with uh, with with Tiafimo or perhaps Devin Haney. If he's going to be boxing at super feather, I'd like to see him in with Lomachenko. Even though Lomachenko just lost, I still I still think that's a great fight. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd like to see him. Pick- Say again. I would pick Loma. Yeah, I'd like to see him in with any of those three, but it's, I just know it's not going to be any of those three, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, that is that. Um, yeah, did you have anything else to say on that card? I forgot. Uh, just about Santa Cruz, really. I wonder what's next for him. Um, because I know he gets I, I know he gets quite a lot of stick, and 
the fact that, you know, he's a four-weight champ, I think people sometimes tend to downplay that and say, well, actually, his record isn't that good, his resume isn't that good. But I think he's genuinely one of the best fighters um, in those sort of divisions. And I think it would be a shame for him to have to sort of take a huge step down in terms of the fighters or the caliber of fighters that he's facing. So I think I'm I'm really interested in seeing what happens next. I think um, the best thing for him to do right now is if he said, I tell you what then, I'll fight the winner of uh, Heron Frampton. That's the best thing he could do. Because mm. everyone would like to see the Frampton third fight, definitely. And he's got a good chance against Heron, I think, as well. So that'd be the best move and probably the easiest and quickest move to become a world champion again. But um, I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. it remains to be seen. But all the best to him. Um Let's talk about the news now. There's a little few bits of news. Obviously, uh, news broke that, uh, as I said earlier on in the show, that Lawrence Okoli is going to be taking on Christoph Glowacki. That one's going to be for the vacant WBO Cruiserweight World title on that Joshua versus Pulev undercard at the O2 Arena on uh, December 12th. Uh, we also have the fact that um, Pavetkin has tested positive for COVID-19, so the Dillian White rematch has been postponed. No date for that just yet. Eddie Hearn's been tweeting out saying, hey, who'd like to see White and Fury? Why don't we do that instead? Fury's still without an opponent, blah, blah, blah. Michael Hunter's trying to throw his name in the mix um, because he's crazy. And uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. But as it stands, that fight's off. It's a a real shame because, you know, we were all looking forward to that one. Um... What else do we have? What else do we have? Uh, another another positive coronavirus test. Lee McGregor. He was supposed to be taking on Karim Gwerfi. That one was for the uh, for the European title. Uh, can't remember the date it was supposed to take place. Um, I think it was November 11th. But anyway, that's off because Lee McGregor has tested positive for coronavirus. Um, Shakam Pitters against Craig Richards for the British. Uh, light heavyweight title that one's been rescheduled for Friday December 18th I know that um, uh, Craig Richards is very angry about that but apparently um, Shakam Pitters the champion was was injured in training and on medical advice the the fight's been pushed back it was supposed to be for the 14th of November I was really looking forward to that it's been put off God knows how many times now so I'm gutted about that but you know it's a quick turnaround we've only got to wait about another five weeks. Uh, it's been pushed back five weeks or something like that. And that's about everything, though, for the news that I have at hand at the minute. If anything else develops by the time we uh, we finish recording this show, then I shall mention it right at the end. But anyway, that's it, though, for part one. That is it for the reviewing and the news. The final thing to do just before we wrap it up is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBA super lightweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Mario Barrios. Mario, welcome back on the show, my man. Uh, appreciate you guys having me again. Always, always a pleasure speaking with you, Mario. So, we last spoke back in October of last year. Uh, it was just after your world title win against Akhmadov, which was one of my favorite fights of 2019, to be honest. You returned to the ring, obviously, on the weekend, just gone for the first time since that fight back in, in 2019, making your first world title uh, defense. Considering you were coming off your longest layoff, um, you didn't seem to be too rusty in my in my eyes there, Maria. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, uh, I mean, I have been waiting to get back into the ring. I mean, for I mean a good while, and I mean, uh, I was ready, you know, to get back in there, and um, in May before the whole COVID happened. But um, you know, I mean, it was a fight that had been um in in the works for a really long time. I mean, so I was very I was anticipated to get back in there. And, I mean, as soon as I did, I mean, everything, you know, was just flowing natural again. I mean, like you said, I mean, I didn't feel like I had any ring rust. And, uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, I stay busy these, uh, I mean, this next coming year. Yeah, I hope so as well. And um, how do you sum up your performance? I mean, if we're being real here, I don't think Ryan Carl was on the same level as you, but it was your first defense. It was after coming off the longest layoff of your entire career. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I, in the post, uh, the post interviews, um, they had asked me my opinion on my performance. Uh, I told them I, I would have gave myself a B. I mean, uh, of course, there's always something that I could work on. 
uh, better, you know, uh, looking back at it. Um, I had a little trouble, you know, just getting, you know, his timing down and just the way he was rushing in. Um, probably could use the jab a lot more as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would give myself a B. I mean, uh, we still went in there, took care of business. We broke him down how, you know, we had planned. I mean, I, I knew I had 12 rounds to work, so I was being patient. But, um, you know, Ryan had, he had wanted a fast-paced fight that uh, that he was unable to keep up with. And, of course, Ryan was cut badly in, in the sixth round, uh, the round you put him down uh, twice and stopped him. Was that cut from a head clash? Because we didn't get to see a good replay on the TV over here. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the cut was from him running <laughs> running straight in. Uh, he, he caught me on top of my head, and, I mean, it caught him right in the middle of his forehead, unfortunately. But, yeah, it was, the cut was caused by a clash of head. And I want to say, Mario, I really enjoy watching you fight. I've said it before. I'm a big fan of your style. Uh, in this fight here, Ryan Carl, as you said, he wanted to fight rather than box. He wanted to rush in. And I can understand why he wanted to do that. But I was very impressed with your head movement. Uh, and your judge of distance was amazing. I mean, both of those attributes are the first things to kind of leave you when you've been inactive for a year. So I really was impressed with that. I also like the fact that you knew exactly exactly when to box and when to fight. Um, I felt it was a really mature performance once again from you, man. It was a, it was a great fight. Two in a row now I've really been impressed with. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, like I said, I mean, going into there, you know, we, we knew um, that his only chance was to be, you know, just putting pressure on me the whole time. And um, that's exactly what, I mean, he came out doing. I mean, so the whole time, Verge was just telling me, you know, just be patient. I mean, you know, there was no rush for anything. Um, I had, I have, I have already been, you know, two 12 round fights, you know, so I, I know what it's like to be in those late rounds. Um, and I mean, I knew exactly how I had to break Ryan down and it was just being patient, using my jab, uh, landing the body shot to whenever I could. And, um, I knew it was only a matter of time. And what has training been like, Mario? Because you mentioned you were ready to go in May. Uh, you mentioned Virgil there with his instructions during this fight here. Um, how how has it been? Has it been difficult? How's Virgil been during this time? Like I say, May to to uh, to you know to October thirty first is is quite a wait. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was for sure much longer uh, much longer wait than we had wanted. But uh, I mean, Virgil, Virgil has been good. I mean, the the whole camp it was a little different just because of how how many precautions you know Virg, uh, Virgil had wanted to take. But I mean, for for good reason, you know. I mean, we had to be in the bubble. You know, we didn't want our camp to get messed up. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, everything had went had went good. We got a lot of great sparring. Um, Virgil was in in the gym with us every day. Uh, he was healthy. And then you know when we went to the fight, I mean, we we kept the protocol. Um, and, I mean, we, we went there and, and got the job done. Excellent, man. And I want to ask you, Mario, I know it's very, very early, but what is next for you? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still not sure. Uh, you know, me and my people, we're going to sit down. We're going to, you know, I want, you know, huge fights uh, in 2021, you know, with big names. If I can't get one of the champions, because, uh, I mean, I know obviously, you know, that's going to be some time because, um, you know, they, they have their matchup. But, um, I mean, if I can't get one of the champions, I mean, hopefully, you know, I could get one of the other big names at 140 pounds. And if not that, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'll start testing the waters at 147. I mean, um, I know I don't have much time left at 140, but, um, I mean, for the time being that I am here, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to make the most out of it. That has brought me on to two questions in one now. I must ask you this, Mario. Uh, you mentioned about the big names. Is there anyone in particular that, that, that you'd like to fight? And also, um, how, how, how long do you, do you think we'll have to wait until you move up to 147? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of big names, especially, you know, on this side with PBC. You know, we got names, you know, like Mikey Garcia, uh, Regis Progre, you know, who had a phenomenal performance as well on the same card. Um uh, I mean, there's uh, there's countless people, you know, with PBC that you know we can make, I know, big fights with no problem. And then, um, I mean, I I want to say, you know, I give myself another year, maybe at 140. But um, then again, I mean, th that could change at, at any fight. I mean, like I said, um, I made you know this, this weight, you know, for this last fight, um, fairly easy. So I mean, we know, you know, we could still make it strong. 
but um i mean we also know i mean you know, my body it, it is getting bigger um you know the, the weight it's not coming down as easy as it was you know when i first moved up yeah absolutely and i want to ask you this as well mario every time we speak i like to ask uh how your sister selena's getting on how's she getting on any news on her next fight at all no 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 uh, no update really i mean um i i came back so I mean, now i'm able you know to help out a lot more with my niece so um you know she's looking forward to just getting more back into the boxing gym since she's gonna have a lot more you know time with me helping her out and um yeah i mean we're gonna see just um what what is next for her as well excellent man excellent well i can't wait to hear what both of you will be doing in your next moves um and i'm i'm just so excited for your future man i've been saying this for a long time it's just great to see you uh you know box every time look more mature every time look more improved every time it's it's just so exciting from from um you know a, a supporter's perspective um just before we wrap it up mario if you've got any closing words to your uk supporters i know that that fan base is growing over here by every fight you have Oh yeah, I mean that's awesome. You know, I mean shout out to everybody over there. You know, um, across the waters, you know, supporting. I I really appreciate it, man. Uh, and I can't wait, you know, until I get a fight overseas, you know, so I could give everybody over there um, a show in person. There we go. We absolutely look forward to that. Listen, Mario, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my brother. Thank you for your time. Congrats again on the win, and I'm sure we'll catch up again real soon. Likewise, my guy. You have a good day. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part of the show. We're going to start here um, on Saturday, November 7th, in the RCC Boxing Academy in Russia. Uh, We have a heavyweight, undefeated heavyweight, by the name of um, Magomed Kurbanov. He's 20-0. and Uh, He takes on... Uh, Dmitry Mikalenko, who's 23 and 6. But the main kind of attraction, for me anyway, Evgeny Romanov. He's 14 and 0 with 10 KOs. He is defending his, I think he's defending his WBO global heavyweight title. What, what does that mean? Anyway, he's taking on former heavyweight world champion. I didn't even think he was still boxing. Sergei Lyakovich, 20, uh, 27 and 8. Uh, that's over 10 rounds. Very odd. I did not know he was still boxing. I know he hasn't had a win for about three years. Anyway, moving out now to the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California, USA. Undefeated heavyweight Frank Sanchez, the Cuban-born but now based in America, um, uh, based in the States, uh, heavyweight Frank Sanchez. He looks way older than he's listed. One of them ones again. 15-0. and uh, He is in a 10-round fight for the WBO, NABO heavyweight title against Brian Howard. Also on the undercard, return of another Cuban. Uh, Luis Ortiz, 31-2. and two. The Cuban Southpaw is in a 10-rounder against Alexander Flores, who's 18-2 and two with a draw. Um, his two losses came to Joseph Parker and Charles Martin, both by stoppage. Also on the bill, Michael Polite Coffey, one of the coolest names in boxing, 10-0. and 0. He's in an 8-rounder against Joey Abel, former opponent of Tyson Fury. He's 35-10. and 10. Always pretty exciting. Moving out now to the Bonita Springs Elks Lodge in Florida, USA. Friend of the show, former, um, former, ah, oh man, light. Middleweight world champion Cornelius Bundridge, 36 and 6. He's in a six rounder against Antoine Ellison, who is 4 and 25 with three draws. He's slowly kind of getting back active, uh, Cornelius Bundridge. And moving out now to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, USA. Um, let's start with the undercard over here. We have Philip Hergovic, 11-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Rydell Booker. We have Zilil Zhang, who's 21-0. He's the six, another guy who's high, I know. Six-foot-six, Southpaw, uh, Chinese Olympic silver medalist. 10-round fight here against Devin Vargas, who's 22-6. and um, Yeah, that's his first fight under the Matram banner. Uh, Zilil Zhang. And the main event, Devin Haney, 24 and 0, defends his WBC world lightweight title against Uriel Kisgamboa, who of course is coming off a loss to Javante Davis in that fight in which he um, done something to his Achilles and 
you know, he managed to get to round 12, but he was stopped in that final round. So he's coming off that loss, and um, that was 11 months ago now. He's back in here with Devin Haney. It's a shame because I see Devin Haney tweeting, I think, something along the lines of, ah, Tiafimo Lopez, you're fighting these old guys like uh, like Lomachenko. He's old. And then he goes and fights um, Uriokis Gamboa, who's older. Uh, but, you know, that's another story. Um, I'm expecting Devin Haney to probably get Gamboa out of there quicker than Tank did, to be honest. So, um, we shall see. But, um, yeah, not not really looking forward to that one too much, to be honest with you. And moving now to the final card. This one takes place on Tuesday. Next week, Tuesday. But by the time we record the show next week, this fight would have already took place. So, here we are previewing it. Um, it's going to be at the BT Sports Studio in Stratford, London, United Kingdom. It's the, I think it's an ultimate boxer kind of thing here between super middleweights or light heavyweights. It's like a kind of prize fighter thing. I think it's ultimate boxer. Anyway, uh, there's four guys that are in this tournament. You've got Charlie Schofield, who's 15 and one. You've got Diego Costa, who's seven and zero. You've got Br- uh, Ben Ridings, who's three and zero, and you've got Zach Chelly, who's seven and one with a draw. So there, someone's going to fight someone. Um, not really sure of the format, to be honest. Also on the card, we've got the Romanian undefeated Florian Marcu. He's six and zero. He's with. Um, uh, Sam Jones, uh, you know, the, the manager, Sam Jones, who also manages Joe Joyce and so on. Um, S-Jam, they're called, that company there. Florian Marco, he's been calling out Conor Ben for a long time. He's on this card here. Uh, Derek Osezi's also on the bill. He's 10-0. and 0. I think he's a pastor in his spare time. He's in a six-rounder against John Telford, who's 11-2 and 2 with a draw. And Jack Fincham, that's the guy that was in Love Island, he is making his pro debut over four rounds against Richard Harrison, who's 4-44. and 44. All the best to Jack Fincham, who isn't a guy who, you know, went on to Love Island, got a bit famous. Uh, you know, he got with Danny Dyer's daughter, uh, and then they split up after the show. But anyway, he's not a guy who got famous and then started going, hey, I'm going to cash in in boxing. He was a guy that had um, quite a... Uh, quite a few amateur fights before all the fame came around. So he is uh, not just a guy jumping in for a bit of fame like we see with some of these YouTubers and stuff. He um, he, he may be pretty good. We shall see. Anyway, that one's on Tuesday, November 10th. Uh, that's it, though. We've done the review in. We brought you the sole guest. We did the news. We did the preview in just there. The final thing to do is to say goodbye now to Mariam. It's been two weeks in a row now, Mariam. Like I say, it's been great to have you back, and um, these shows have probably been longer than what they were back then, two and a half years ago. So sorry for taking up so much of your time, but I thank you for for giving me it. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy it more and more every week. Oh, there we have it. So hopefully we'll have you back on again soon, and um, the listeners, hey, if you enjoyed Mariam once again this week, let me know, and we shall... uh, We shall try our very best to get her on more frequently. But anyway, that's about everything from myself. The final thing to do is just to sign out with the outro and uh, and the goodbyes and the thank yous and the rest of it, which I'll do in just a few seconds' time. Okay, and this wraps up episode 264 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Mariam has been with me once again for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the reigning WBA super lightweight world champion, Mr. Mario Barrios. Uh, The biggest thanks of all, though, of course, goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Stay safe, most importantly. Enjoy your weekends, people and we shall see you all again next week.